1: This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
0: Just a quick note, uh, I'm going to be taking a break for a few weeks because can you believe that it has been over a year of me putting out these podcasts and I haven't really actually taken a break. So I'm going to take a break. For a couple of weeks but for those of you who are Headstuff podcast members there is going to be three episodes just for you guys who are paying your monthly subscription of five euro there is two episodes with Cahill and one episode where Alan and I pretend to be on a date and he asks me um, getting to know you questions which are quite insightful and um, So if you are not a member of Headstuff and you want those episodes and the other bonus material and access to all of the bonus material across the Headstuff podcast network, it's five euro a month. And you can join by going to headstuffpodcast.com forward slash register and you can join there for five euro a month. And I would be very, very grateful if you did. Um, And to those of you who are already paying, I'm so grateful because you allow, you know, you pay and therefore I can continue to do this and people can get it for free if they can't afford it or whatever the case is so uh enjoy the break and if you want to become a member please do and let me know on instagram so i can thank you personally Hello and welcome to Basically I'm your host Stephanie Preisner, and today I have a podcast that was requested by so many of you on the back of the fertility episodes we have done the opposite end of the spectrum, menopause. I don't know anything about it and I'm super excited to learn. In studio with me today I have Loretta Dignam from The Menopause Hub. Welcome to the studio Loretta. Loretta, thank you so much for joining me in studio. Um, I've had a lot of requests uh, for this episode and I'm in way over my head because I know nothing about it. Can you can you shed some light on menopause and what it is and everything that happens? <laughs>
1: Uh, listen. First of all, thank you for having me here for for today. Um, I think it's fantastic that the airwaves have opened up and the lid has been taken off um, menopause, which is a really taboo topic. And um, I can tell you, you're not alone not knowing anything about menopause because I was um, in perimenopause for all of my most of my forties, and the only thing I knew about menopause was uh, no periods and hot flushes and they happened to me at 50 Okay and so you had
0: a long lead in
1: Yes because I Because I know I do like I
0: know a little bit of Greek and I'm really into Greek mythology and Greek language and I know that menopause is coming from the Greek of like this is the last the last day of your last period
1: like but actually what we're talking about now is much longer like, like a much longer process I guess 100% I mean menopause stands for meno menstruation pause the end of and it happens actually when women's, um, there is no more eggs being released from the ovaries because you're born with a certain number of eggs that shrivel up, if you like, as you go through um, all of your menstrual cycle and some die naturally and whatever. So then you get to this age where um, they're not uh, producing an est- enough estrogen. So the estrogen go- falls off a cliff and then you become postmenopausal after you've had 12 months of no periods and you stay postmenopausal for the rest of your life. And the lead up to that is what's called perimenopause. And that's the average age of that is 45. The average age of menopause is 51. And the average length of time between for women to suffer symptoms between that is 7.4 years.
0: Okay, so it's really... And, and do, does it get more... So, sorry. So the first part of menopause then, I guess... This perimenopause is not that your hormones have stopped, but just that they're fluctuating. Is they're, that they're or, fluctuating? Or what causes
1: all these symptoms? So basically, the hormones are fluctuating, and I often liken it to if you have the oil in the engine of a car, and the oil in the engine is is sort of going down, going down, um, and so this is really the hormones are fluctuating up and down, but they're sputtering. To a halt, if you like, not to a halt completely, but to an end um, in terms of the level that you had prior to that. And so therefore, the periods can become erratic. The symptoms can be erratic. um, You can have lots of symptoms, no symptoms. It's really very individual. um, And that's the lead up to when the periods finally stop. So if you can imagine, it's like puberty. In reverse. Yes. Okay. So in puberty, a girl goes into puberty and hormones starts rushing throughout her body. It touches every cell in the body. And if it doesn't touch that cell, it has a conversation with it. And that causes a, a, a girl's body shape to change. Acne, moods, sleeping a lot, eating a lot, all this kind of thing. Anxious um, mood swings. Um, bleeding yeah. um, and so all these things happen and uh, women and parents often go God where's my child gone because like, they have this teenager Yeah. well the exact same thing is happening at the other end so instead of the hormones being on the rise during puberty they're on the fall during menopause and that's what causes all the different symptoms it's primarily oestrogen but it's also progesterone and testosterone but primarily oestrogen that causes most of the issues for women and they're up to 40 symptoms they are divided into Physical, psychological, emotional um, and cognitive, all in that one. And then there's what's called urinary that affect your vagina. It can impact on sex, give you UTIs, incontinence, that kind of thing. So there's 40 different symptoms. Okay. OK, and so do you want to talk us through some of the... So like if
0: people are listening to this, because I always thought that like menopause was after 50 and it just kind of stopped and there was like hot flushes and... Um, what else? Did Yeah, just your period stopped. But I have been hearing from women that actually there are a whole range of symptoms that they presented their GP with That because they think this couldn't possibly be menopause because I'm only, let's say, 41. What are some of the symptoms? And also, how do you test for is
1: this menopause or is this another issue? Well, as I said, I had no idea about perimenopause myself. So I'd be 80% of women are unprepared for menopause and 66% know little or nothing. And so the two facts that you've just said was all I knew as well. Right. So what happens, um, usually the average age is 45 and what happens is women can see their periods start to become a bit irregular, erratic. They might change, they might be lighter, they might be a little bit shorter, they might be much heavier. So there might be a change in, in the periods. Women can develop anxiety, which didn't happen to me, but I'm overwhelmed by the level of anxiety that women present with.
0: And is that anxiety about the menopause or literally no. like a
1: clinical, like a hormonal shift that yeah. is creating? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and and most women don't even know what's happening. They have all these symptoms, so they go to their GP or the doctor and they say, I'm suffering with this, I'm suffering pr- so with So what that. kind of
0: examples are those? like? So
1: anxiety, they could be, have depression, they could have mood swings, they could have irritability, they could have anger, uh, Anger. they could be feeling weepy, overwhelmed, they could l- lose their, what I used to call my va so they lose their, kind, they're not depressed, they're not just too interested in a lot of things, their mojo. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can be on the, on that that sort of side of things psychological they can start to have you know aches and pains a lot of women talk about aches and pains in their joints and they can talk about you know obviously the skin the hair thinning they can talk about you know their nails they can talk about um, getting migraines when they didn't before or lots of headaches like I went for a brain scan get a CT scan to check my brain because I had such bad headaches I got really bad dry eye I got UTIs I used to have to get up in the night to go to the loo when I coughed laughed and sneezed I got a little bit of leakage and when people Say in those ads that that's normal. It's not. Um, I would have had dizziness. What do you mean? It's not normal. It's not normal to be leaking um, when you cough, laugh, or sneeze and have a leak of of urine. That's not normal. Um, women it, think it's normal, but it's not. You can go and get checked for that, and you can get that um, assessed, assessed. Yeah, and fixed. Okay. Yeah. So it's not normal, but it's common. It's common, but it's not normal. Okay. Yeah. That's good exactly. And then in the, the whole area, women lose their libido. Um, they um, sex might beca- become fa- painful because what's actually happening effectively is that with the decline in oestrogen, and this is why I go back to my car analogy and mm-hmm. the oil, is it's like a drying up from the inside out. Okay. So everything is is drying up, and so the um, the vagina becomes dry; it becomes uh, papery. Um, it becomes uh, prone to infection. Um, sex can be painful, et cetera, et cetera, and that can also lead because of the pelvic floor muscle being weaker, can lead to incontinence and bladder issues. So there's all those different things. Now it sounds horrendous. It does. Does it
0: happen? It doesn't happen. Does it happen to men? Like, do they,
1: as they age, does their hormones plummet as well? No. No. Um, men, their hormone, their testosterone, primarily it sort of slowly, 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 gradually declines. Such a racket.
0: We just get such a short end of the stick. <laughs> Slow, because they also can like have, like the men at 60, 70, 80 having kids. 100%. And able to like monopolise women's reproductive years and then move on to the next one. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's my issue with men. That's not what this podcast is about. So all of these symptoms, um, the physical, the emotional and the... The the genital urinary, The genital urinary. So you you go to your doctor, like you were sent for a brain scan. Mm. Did no one just say to you, this is menopause, this is what's happening to you?
1: I presented, I developed asthma, um, which you can do women's allergies and uh, get worse. You can develop asthma. Um, I um, had the UTIs. I had dry eye, ended up in the eye near three times. I had all these different things and no one said to me at any one point, you know, this could be perimenopause. I'd never even heard the word. What um, age were you, did you say? I, this all to my 40s. Okay. And it was only when I started the hot flushes and I used to get, say, 20 or 30 of those a day and the night sweats and then the duvet on and off and that, um, that I knew about menopause. So it's actually... Everything other than the famous symptoms of um, hot flushes and no periods that women need to be aware of. Okay. And the thing is, we have a, on our website, the, the Menopause Hub, we have um, a symptom checker, we call it, and there's 40 different symptoms. And when you look at that and you start to tick them off, it starts to create a picture and it's it's age associated. So um, women over 45, we wouldn't routinely do blood tests to determine menopausal status because the hormones have fluctuated and you won't get an accurate read. And if your periods have stopped, what more proof do you need that you're postmenopausal? Oh. And just in the way that you wouldn't say to a teenager, let's test your bloods to see if you're in puberty. You're at the age, we've all the signs. It's just that we know much more about puberty. But if you're under the age of 45 we would routinely do blood tests to rule out other things, to check hormones, but they have to be done on particular days of the cycle, days two to five and maybe six weeks apart. So there's more investigation if you're under 45 because you're seen as slightly younger.
0: Yeah, I had all those done because my period stopped for three and a half years and they th- I thought, oh, maybe I'm somehow like in menopause. But actually I was underweight and it was um, hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um So I had all those done, but I I did at some point think, "All right, this must be menopause." But uh, my because I wasn't eating enough of the right things, uh, yeah, my estrogen was just non-existent and whatever. So
1: very sensitive, you know, hormone to, to big body changes, yeah. And so how so? under that
0: age bracket you would do a blood test and what things are you looking for in the blood then?
1: So it would be, we would do a range of hormonal blood tests so we would do FSH which is follicle stimulating hormone, LH we would do, um, check the thyroid because sometimes the symptoms can be kind of confusing Um, we would do um, estradiol levels we would do um, probably testosterone and we would do prolactin so we would do about five or six of those um, and that would give the doctors a picture sometimes if somebody's a bit younger you might do AMH which measures the egg reserves so that's another thing that might be done now it's not done all the time but it it could be and that would definitely signal if you know the result of that would signal the end of your of your reproductive days or predict the. So the
0: AMH rate. is the the hormone that's given off by the eggs in your yeah. ovaries. So yeah. if that's what should that be at, or what like is it? Not what should it be at, but if <laughs> is it like does that just go to zero? Yeah. And oh it's like, yeah,
1: no. Um, it's obviously um uh, a spectrum. Yeah, a spectrum, and the uh, the doctor would be able to assess that. And we actually have fertility experts in our clinic. Oh yeah. So they're they work in fertility and they work in um menopause. And they're often quite closely related, um, would you believe? So women who would have difficulty um, from a fertility perspective um, would often be going into kind of earlier menopause menopause or, you know, showing very definite signs of perimenopause earlier than other women.
0: And then because it sounds so horrendous, like this protracted process of falling off a cliff, is there a way to either speed it up and get it over with or push it out so it doesn't actually happen? Is there a cure for menopause?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. Um, well, surely there is treatment. So usually, um, so can you delay it? Um, well, no, at the moment. Now there's international um, work going on about trying to, you know, because um, if it's a-
0: about the, like this is my uneducated like medical brain, but if the all the symptoms are coming from the fact that my hormones are in flux and my hormones are non-existent, then replacing those hormones will stop these symptoms but is that just me trying to be god
1: no um you're absolutely right so for me i had all those years of the perimenopause symptoms of which i was unaware um, I then had those very menopausal symptoms of which I knew what was happening to me. yeah, um, And I was terrified of HRT. So HRT is hormone replacement therapy. And I was yeah. terrified of that because it was a big study done in 2002 called the Women's Health Initiative. And the results of that were published without being peer reviewed. The, the study has been debunked now. Um, but the headlines um, were across the world that HRT causes Um, Increased risk of breast cancer, increased risk of stroke, and so on, so on. And um, it's shocking, isn't it? It's the same
0: as that Andrew Wakefield and the autism thing these narratives just get stuck in our mind and it's like oh HRT I know that's bad based on nothing except rumour and then it's debunked but it's already seeped into public yes.
1: consciousness and it's so hard to debunk it and we would see women in our clinic um, or hear from women in our clinic all the time just absolutely terrified of HRT and I was without any information now when I looked into it um, basically um, HRT is the most effective way of replacing lost hormones for most women. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. Um, there are small, small, small risks. Um, but it's like everything that, that you do. There are risks to 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 everything in life and it's about weighing up the risks and the benefits. And for me, I physically, I got my life back um, when I started on HRT. So I started taking um, estrogen and progesterone because if you have a womb, you have to protect the lining of the womb from thickening, which can lead to endometrial cancer. So um, I have estrogen and progesterone and it's delivered through a gel into my skin. Um,
0: Are you still, like, is that you take this input forever now?
1: Well, um, there's all sorts of um, theories and myths out there that women can only take HRT for five years or ten years and all this kind of thing. The latest research says that you can take HRT for as long as the benefits outweigh the way, the risks for you and you're under me- medical supervision. So my intention is to stay on HRT forever. Okay. Um, and um, but you know a lot of um, some medical people wouldn't be up to speed with the kind of latest thinking and they would say oh you've been on it for five years or ten years you have to come off and women experience um, a lot of issues with that. And um, the other thing I would say is that the third hormone that I went on then was testosterone. I went on that after a few months and that helped with my clarity of thinking with my sort of vava boom, help with my libido and so on. Um, not every woman needs that, and you have to have your bloods relative. So they'll check oh, you're yes. low on this, so we'll add yeah. it. Okay, yeah, exactly. And p- check your bloods um, twice a year just to make sure that you're not you haven't got too much of that. And um, so they're the three hormones um, that I would be on. And um, but as I said, the risks outweigh the benefits outweigh the risks for most women.
0: So did you um, notice what kind of symptoms did you notice reversing?
1: Oh my God, within the first three months my hot flushes went, Yeah, and um, my sleep was restored, um, my aches and pains were gone, I wasn't getting up to go to the loo in the night, my dizziness, like so many symptoms and the only two that were left at the end of three months were this sort of vava libido and that, I don't know how, just energy I suppose, energy and um, then I was put on testosterone and after that I felt amazing, I felt as good as I did in my 30s kind of. So you are can imagine. all
0: of the symptoms reversible with HRT?
1: The majority are if you get the right dosage and the right level. Right. Yeah, Now I can't I've heard guarantee for every single body that they will Yeah, be I've pushed, just heard you know? some
0: women say that like, you know, even though they are exercising the same as they used to and eating the same as they used to, they are gaining weight even though they're on the HRT. Like that, that is one of the things that like actually, even when they're on the HRT, the metabolism isn't...
1: Well, now, interestingly, I lost, I put on about 10 pounds when I became menopausal and I lost it when I started on HRT. So some women do, some some, some women don't. The other thing, though, is that um, the body is laying down fat in a different way. It's called visceral fat. So it's laid down around the organs. um, Whereas before that, it would be subcutaneous fat under the skin. And that's more difficult to shift. And therefore, you know, we have a dietitian and nutritionist in our clinic and he specialises in menopausal women. And what he would say is you need to, these are the three things you need to do. One of them is um, increase your step count. So minimum 10,000 a day, unless you're already up to 6,000 or 7,000, you need to increase by an additional 5,000 a day. Every day, you need to do weight-bearing exercise for 15 minutes a day because that's good for muscle mass and bone strength. And the third thing you do is cut down your calories by 500 a day because you're getting older, your metabolism slowing down. There's a, there's some later studies saying that the lack of the decline in the estrogen, what that does is um, it affects your satiety levels, and therefore you're not. Um, you know, you're not feeling full the way you did before. Mm-hmm. So there's a few, you know, there's a lot of work going on in that area. But, um, you know, you, you do have to make changes in your lifestyle. You know, um, diet and exercise is really, really important. And the other thing that's really, really important about replacing your lost estrogen, because in the 1900s, women died at the age of uh, the average life expectancy was um, 49 and they went into menopause 47. So they didn't live too long on average. Nowadays the average age of menopause is 51 and the average life expectancy is 84.
0: So you have a long old life to go without it. A
1: third to a half of our lives would be in a post-menopausal state living in an oestrogen deficient state and the implications of that are for your bone health. So osteoporosis. Yeah, that's what happened to me when
0: I didn't have it. I I had had to go for a DEXA scan because my bones were getting brittle because I didn't have any oestrogen because I wasn't eating enough. And I went for a DEXA scan. They were like, yeah, you're like in the early stages of osteoporosis it's called osteopenia yeah, yeah. and that's I was like right. Jesus Christ yeah. so then like that was kind of a wake up call
1: so yeah so we would have women coming to us when we would recommend for, for DEXA scans and um, so bone health is really important and oestrogen can protect you against that and the second one is heart disease so one in two women in Ireland will die of cardi- cardiovascular disease and that's the same globally And if you look in the Irish um, Heart Foundation website, for example, they say that the level of heart disease goes up in women post-menopause and takes over that of men. And then the third area is cognitive function. So, you know, you've heard a baby brain and sometimes a PMS Uh coming up to that, your brain gets foggy and everything. Well, hormones can impact that. And as a result, dementia and Alzheimer's are also greater risks of living longer without estrogen. So replacing the lost estrogen, particularly through hormone replacement therapy, is um probably the most effective way to do that. And people say, you know, oh, can I not take herbs and can I not take um, you know, uh supplements and so on and so on. In in reality, they're not going to replace that lost estrogen. And you your actual experience eating. actually you know really yeah. um really uh brings that home, mm-hmm. you know? Um because I haven't heard your story in that in that level of detail, you know. Another podcast I want to tell you about this week is Dublin. Please tell me you've heard of it. You know,
0: my bestie, my pal, PJ Gallagher and Suzanne Kane have this amazing podcast that's been running for eons back to when Ulysses was written. Not quite that long, but a significant backload of, of, of emails there. And it's Suzanne and PJ and they sit down and they shoot the breeze and they catch up on the week. And PJ tells mad stories about the trouble that he gets into. And Suzanne brings you into her domestic life and all of her challenges of being a mother and a woman and a working woman and... It's just like having two pals in your ears, you know, shooting the breeze. I can highly recommend it, and also I'm very biased because I'm very big fan of it. And I was listening to it before I even had my own podcast, so give it a listen, give it some support, and let me know what you think of it. Dublin Podcast is basically Suzanne Kane and PJ Gallagher. It is a podcast that is designed very much look at the negative side of things and tell you that it is okay to get up in the morning and live your day. Suzanne Kane slightly crazy conservative lady and ultra liberal lunatic head case me PJ Gallagher doing our best to put a smile on your face it's a midlife it is literally a midlife crisis podcast starting from next week we'll have 10-15 minutes of extra bonus material that will be on the podcast every single week
1: which will be very focused instead of this usual sort of demented ranting excuse me
0: and you can sign up together on headstuffpodcast.com where you will find loads of other brilliant podcasts with, with all brilliant topics and apparently. loads of great
1: bonus material that isn't us but stick with us too thank you so, it's it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. I mean, are there being, other
0: therapies to fix it, or is just HRT?
1: Well, HRT is the is the most probably most effective. But there are women who can't take HRT or refuse to, or don't want to, or whatever. Or it's not suited to them. And um, what they would do is so cognitive behavioural therapy is very effective. We have a psychologist in our clinic, and she's been doing some work with the British Menopause Society on uh, cognitive behavioural therapy. And that but that's help. more
0: like helping to come to terms with yes, rather
1: than reversing. Absolutely. Okay. It helps you to come to terms. But if you can't take estrogen, if you've had um, you know, maybe um some incidents, you know, you have um had a lot of blood clots, and mm-hmm. um, your risk of stroke or something like that, then you wouldn't be able to take um HRT. Um and um we also have well diet and lifestyle can help. We also have a pelvic physio who can help with the pelvic area. Um acupuncture can help with some things like hot flushes, sleep disturbance, energy. But Beyond that, it's, you know, it's a difficult, if it's a difficult one, I feel very privileged that I can take HRT. Um, And I wasted three years of my life, um, you know, being terrified of it. And then I wasted years before that where I could have started on HRT and had a better quality of life during my 40s. And I regret that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I'm so um, pro-HRT, actually.
0: Can I ask, so if someone is say in their late 40s still kind of getting periods but having these symptoms and they go on HRT. Like if you're on HRT for the rest of your life do you, are you getting, is it like the
1: pill like do you still get a period or Um, does the period stop but the rest of the things? It depends. If you are on, if you have reasonably regular periods you will be given what's called um, a cyclical HRT regime. So that means you have oestrogen all the time And two weeks per month, usually day 14 to 28, you will have your progesterone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then you will have a bleed monthly. Um, as soon as you get into the 50s, even if you still have, you, then your periods may start to become more irregular. And as they're kind of petering out, you would go to what's called um, a continuous regime. And that's what I'm on. So I take my oestrogen every day. I take my progesterone every day. I haven't to take testosterone. But those two are the, the two main ones, which is oestrogen and progesterone. So you would go on to a continuous cycle. So and then you wouldn't. You don't get periods. Um, and if you're in your late, you know, if you're still menstruating in your mid 50s, um, the likelihood is the doctor will probably move you onto that regime because you're going in that direction anyway. anyway. Mm.
0: And how does it affect, uh, maybe it's a stupid question because you're coming out, but if you're perimenopausal okay. and you want to still have a child, can like is that just, your, it's off the table or is it, does HRT help fertility, I guess is the question.
1: Well, I think what you would have to do is... Um, You'd be
0: talking to a fertility person and would yes. you? Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, our doctors do. Some of them are, um, work in the area of fertility and the area of menopause. And I guess the thing is that um, the level of, of the fertility drugs would not would be much higher than the levels of what's estrogen and progesterone. I mean, e- the, the HRT is about a third the strength of the pill. Right, so okay. it's much much weaker level of hormone, it's more natural because it's made to mimic exactly the female hormone. So, um they can be counterproductive in yes. that sense, so okay. you would probably need to be focused on one thing or the other, um, rather than trying to to do, to do both.
0: And then if you stopped the HRT, does that do do are you back to like your early 50s when this was all starting again or has would your symptoms change as you come off it because you're that bit older now?
1: So some women say when, so women who who elect or need to or whatever come off, the recommendation will be that they're weaned off it so Mm -hmm. they don't just stop it overnight. Um, And some women say that their symptoms came back with a vengeance. And what that likely means is that you're not through the worst of the symptoms. Right. Um, Others come off it and they say that they had no major issues. But I guess, and some symptoms do, um, I suppose retreat, is, is that a better word? Um, but there's a number of symptoms that don't and one of them is vaginal dryness Mm -hmm. and that the vagina continues to kind of shrivel up for the rest Mm -hmm. and therefore taking local oestrogen which is um, usually delivered through a pessary um, is which is considered really safe only treats that area and that is seen as very beneficial for keeping the level of um, moistness and elasticity in the vagina. Otherwise that gets worse and we would hear from women like I've been since the Joe Duffy um, program um, on menopause we have had so many letters from women in their 80s and in their 70s and in their 60s, late 60s, with describing menopausal symptoms that have continued on. And vaginal dryness would would be a big issue that would just keep going forever. And because nobody talks about this, everyone thinks that their situation is unique. And in reality,
0: loads it's like of women are 50% suffering. of the population. Yes, exactly.
1: Are there some women who sort of sail through menopause and it's not a big deal? They say 20% of women will have no symptoms. Right, and that they will sail through menopause and women will use that word I sailed through menopause That's gas I didn't even know that I just yeah. picked that <laughs> word. Yeah they do they say oh I sailed through it. menopause um, and a lot of older women if you talk to say my own mother's generation so they'd be in their 90s or whatever they'd say oh I had no time for that you know I had a family and kids and you know, washing and cleaning and housework, They had no time for the menopause. Whereas actually, they probably suffered quite a lot.
0: And probably as their child, you were like, you were actually a nightmare for that decade when I was...
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what a lot of women say to us who come to the clinic now? They say the reason they, they're they coming is that they feel that they're very ratty with their kids and they're very moody and whatever, and the kids are even commenting and they say they remember their own mothers in that situation. And they say, I don't want to be like my mother. Yes. And okay. they're coming to seek help, do you know? Which is great. It is, it is. But the thing is, just on the, the about the oestrogen, there is what they call an oestrogen window of opportunity. Okay. And what that is, is ideally the best time to take it is within 10 years of your last period or below the age of 60. That's the ideal um, it doesn't mean that you can't take it when you're older than that but it's ideal and after 60 the risks start to increase. Does that mean that if you are on it
0: in that window of opportunity at 60 you should start coming off it? No, no, no. Or you can stay you on it. Start it wouldn't then. start it. You okay. have to
1: initiate the treatment. Because it's and been so long since your body had that level maybe. or Exactly. Okay. And things like the plaques are set down and the arteries and things like that. And um, so um, it can be more risky to introduce it. So therefore I would be saying to women you know like don't wait until, oh, I'll get through it or whatever. To me, the women who sail through menopause are actually missing a wake-up call about their long-term health. Right, They're okay. missing that trigger to assess their long-term health um, and to check out those things like heart health, bone health and, and cognitive function. So if anyone is listening and
0: either they're... they're Feeling symptoms that they think might well, they should go on to your website and do the symptom checker and see yep. if it is because if you're over forty five and if it looks like a duck and it sounds like a duck, it's probably menopause. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the, that's the menopause hub. So if, if they're even not having symptoms or they're in that age bracket and they don't have much symptoms, do you think it's still a good idea to, what would you do, speak to your GP or? Yeah,
1: I mean, if I was um, under, if I didn't have too many symptoms and I was aware of what was happening to my body anyway, by my age and so on, I would look into and in exploring the the benefits. I'd look at the risks and the benefits and what suits you and what's right for your situation. The other thing to say is that there's also surgical menopause, which happens to women who would um, go into menopause because they've had... a uh, hysterect- um, hysterectomy or their ovaries removed or a total hysterectomy which is everything removed um so that's one cohort and that can happen at any time. The and sex- would they have to have the same HRT even though they don't have the issue with the lining of their womb? So if they had their hist- if they've had the hysterectomy and their womb removed, they don't need to take progesterone. Okay. So they only take estrogen and that actually reduces the rate of breast cancer actually. Okay. So um and that would be like a patch or a gel it's very simple. Um, and so the surgical menopause is also women who maybe have had cancer treatment or radiotherapy chemotherapy or medication that have put them into um menopause. Um, So that's another type. So that can happen to anyone as well. Um, Then there is what's called premature um, menopause. And we have a couple of women in our clinic. One is 21 who went into menopause at 15. How
0: would that happen? Just
1: hormonal? Yeah, depletion born with not enough eggs to begin with. And therefore the the eggs were kind of dried up. Um, The egg reserves dried up by the time they were 15. And would have gone in and had all the symptoms. So I mean she'd like probably ended. had a period for two years or something. Yeah. Right, okay. And fertility would be over um, effectively. And um, we have another woman who I think is about so went in about 17 and she's about 20 now. So I'm not saying that they're the norm. That's not the norm. They're a very small percentage. But, you know, um things like that can happen. And so therefore, I would encourage women to pay a bit more attention to their own cycles mm-hmm. um, and to um, you know, if in doubt, check it out. You know? Yeah. The other thing that women need to be aware of, and I know this is the older end of the of the spectrum, but postmenopausal bleeding, if you get bleeding, post so you have no periods, you get bleeding. Um, you have to check that out mm-hmm. because you know it may be nothing, but it could also be a problem with the endometrium. Could be precancerous Could be lots of different things. So you need to get those checked out. And I would encourage women who are part of cervical check to go and get that done. Yes, I would so encourage would I, women, yeah, who are part of breast check to go and get that done. So you know there are a few things that you can be doing that will help your own health. You know. Um, And I think the other thing is that, you know, if you go to um, a medic and, um, you know, you're not happy with the response, you know, you can change doctor or you can find somebody with an interest in that area. And it's just that, you know, not everybody has the same level of knowledge, interest um, or ability in that area.
0: Yeah it's something like I'm really grateful to you for coming in I think it's something that has been a taboo subject but is really like particularly when you say things like cervical check and and breast check like that people do these things silently without, without because there's I don't know some sort of shame around it and you know people talk about HRT and say oh what did we do years ago well you know generations ago people weren't living until 80 and you know they, they died and were miserable and that doesn't have to be the case for you. Now maybe HRT isn't for everyone but no. it's certainly great to know that it's an option if if your life is miserable because you're going through something that's totally natural and inevitable and uncurable as I call it.
1: Well I, uh, when I was going through my menopausal symptoms you know I thought oh you know strong women power through they don't take HRT and all this kind of thing right. But then I look back and when I have my children like and I know this isn't for everybody either However, um, I ran into the hospital and literally, you know, when do I ask for the epidural? When do I ask for the epidural? You know, and we could say, well, women never used to have pain relief years ago when they had babies. But, you know, hello, this is progression of medicine and so on and so on. So, And I know that could be a debate as to, you know, how you choose your own childbirth, but it's the same about how you want to manage your own menopause. And
0: that's the thing, it's totally your choice, but at least know that the options are there.
1: Yeah. And the, the values of our business are education, empathy and empowerment. And education is about educating people. Empathy is about saying you're not going crazy, you're not making this up it's not in your head, this is something real for you and then empowerment is giving the information so they can make an informed choice because the choices I made were all ill-informed. But you made them and you're really glad you did now (laughs) where can people find more information from you thank you so much. Well, uh, they can go on to the menopausehub.ie and um, we have a range of different doctors there. We've got a dietitian, as I said, a nutritionist. We have a psychologist. We have an acupuncturist. Um, we have um, a women's health physio, so particularly pelvic um, physio. And um, we do online consultations. We do um, as well as in clinic. And um, I also am very passionate about advocating for women in this area. And I also do menopause in the workplace talks. I do menopause in the workplace education because to me menopause is where mental health was about 10 years ago and I help organisations develop menopause menopause friendly workplaces because that will be coming down the tracks legislatively I guarantee it within five years.
0: That's amazing. So if you want any of those services all you need when you need it under the tree at the Menopause Hub. (laughs) Loretta thank (laughs) you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you so much.
0: that's all from us today thank you so much for joining us and joining in and being part of the community i'm going to be taking a little bit of a break for a few weeks but for those of you who are Head Stuff podcast members part of the community and paying for this podcast to to be free for other people you get some bonus content i've got three excellent episodes for you guys to keep you going until i'm back and I'm very very grateful to you all for listening for sharing it if you can put it on your Instagram stories or spread the word just tell someone to listen to it that really really helps me out Uh, our music is by Only Ruin our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara. we are edited by the amazing Alan Bennett and we are part of the Headstuff podcast network